Morning. Glad you're here. So I heard Cass say this. I'm going to repeat it. Today is a twofer. Do you know that? It's two, four. Two, four. Two, four, two, four. February 4th, 24. Yeah, so <clears throat> first day of, first Sunday of February, that means we have some birthdays in February, and that means we have cake back there. Looks like there's a little bit left. I hear it's really good. I'm going to grab a piece before I sit down. It's a twofer. Can you get two pieces? <laughs> All right. So February birthdays, uh, February 4th, that's today. That's, that's me. I have a birthday today. And uh, Tristan Walters has a birthday on the 23rd. So that's not a whole lot of birthdays in February. Kind of interesting. How old will Tristan be? 20. 20? Tristan's 20. Wow. Okay. Now I really feel old. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we, uh, we also are going to be having communion today, being the first Sunday of the month. So uh, all are claim the name of Christ are welcome to join in on that. And uh, we also have tax letters, so it's we're coming up on tax time. So for those who give to the church, we Cherry has uh, the tax letters with your donations for your tax purposes, and she can either give them to you today or she can mail them to you, your preference. I'm not sure why you'd want to mail to you, but you could do that if you want that. So that's an option. And uh, some prayer requests. Uh, Wilma is recovering from her surgery, so be praying for that, for her to recover well. Wendy is dealing with a sinus infection, so she's still not here. So be praying for Wendy, and she continues to care for Sherry. And uh, Sharon, Trisha's sister, is in hospice, and she, uh, Trisha, just let me know that Sharon continues to decline, and she'll be going home to see the Lord probably any time now so uh keep trish and sharon's family in your prayers and uh they deal with with that reality and uh, give them some extra love right and i know there's other prayer requests out there takes a lot to keep that man down (laughs) okay we'll pray for less this morning we're glad that Randy's feeling better. Because otherwise, someone else would have to be up here. And <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. I know there's other people dealing with illnesses and things out there, so we'll keep you guys uh, in your in our prayers too. Let's go, to the Lord. Father, thank you for new months as we mark the years and the months of the year, and get to uh, reflect on what you're doing in our lives. And I just pray that uh, we would uh, celebrate this day of a time to gather with you, a time to take the table together and uh, celebrate our union with you uh, as a church and as a family. 
I pray for all those who are dealing with uh, illnesses and recovering from surgeries, and uh, some of those are unable to join us this morning, and some are feeling better, like Randy and Ray, and we just appreciate your healing and bringing them back to us. And uh, I just pray for continued healing. Father, I pray for uh, Sharon's family as uh, they uh, walk her through her last days here on earth and her graduation to uh, to heaven. And I just I know that they know that that's uh, that's just a transition, but it's still hard, and you miss the the person here. And I pray that you'd be with her family and be with Trish and uh, give them comfort and uh, I pray that you'd allow us to be part of that comfort Father uh, pray for the service here to be glorifying and honoring to you Father I pray that your spirit would be here among us and uh, that you would manifest yourself to us in all the different ways that you desire to do that ask these things in your son's name Amen
come to this first Sunday of the month and remember some things about the Lord he's made possible for us. We get to join him in this meal, which is uh, a privilege for all of us to participate in. I want to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 
And Dwight is getting the elements out to you. But in this chapter, chapter 11, Paul has tried to direct the people of Corinth, the, the ones who have come to know Christ, in uh, his truth. They've, they've fought among themselves. He, he's writing to them from Ephesus, so he's not even in town. This is a letter sent back to them to correct some things. What I want to bring to mind is how important this was to the Lord to pass this on to Paul. If you remember, when you read the Gospels, you're reading through Matthew and Mark and and Luke and John, they're giving uh, an account from, from they were either there or they, uh, Matthew and, and John were there. Mark and Luke hear about it from others, and they're telling you about the Passover meal that the Lord had shared with his friends before his crucifixion and the things that unfolded during that. So that's where they get their info. And, you know, Matthew and John are sitting there with the Lord. It's in the painting. You can see they took a snapshot of it. They're there. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 11, wasn't a believer, remember? He went after the church. So he's, he's writing this later. He's trying to correct their thinking about this, this meal and its, and its value. So here's this. Uh, let me give you some instructions, verse 17. I can't praise you, for it sounds as though you've done more harm than good when you get together. That's not something you want to hear when you're getting a letter from an apostle. Uh, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and, and I, I believe it. But there, you, you've got to get this thing together. And when you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper. And this is where this starts going this direction. Some of you are in a hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. Others just want to get drunk. They had plenty of real wine at these, so don't worry about it. You're You're good. Not going to happen here. They, what are you thinking? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What, what am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? And so he goes, he goes on to correct them. So here's this, you know, kind of negative entry into this thing. But I want you to see this positive side of this. Verse 23, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. He's not in the painting. He's not sitting with the Lord. He wasn't at that meal. Where did he get this information? Wasn't from John. Wasn't from Matthew. The Lord gave him this information. The resurrected Jesus came. That's what we've been talking about. We're going to talk about some more today. Manifestations of the Messiah. He shows up. And he tells them, this is what happened. And this is important. This is not to be lightly taken. This is something I want you to remember, how this fits into the whole. He has a lot more in Corinthians to speak to, but this is one aspect. And he says, the Lord came to him and gave him this info. On the night he, when he was betrayed, 
the Lord Jesus took some bread. So I just picture the resurrected Jesus hanging out. I think Paul is still in the desert out in Arabia because that's where he got his training. And the Lord's hanging out with him. So, you know, if they got built him a little shelter, he's staying in a cave or just sitting out on a rock. Just imagine the, the resurrected Jesus going, Paul, you got to get this. This is what happened that night. And I'm betrayed that night. And at this point, Paul is probably going, you know, eyes wide like, what? This, this is, yeah, this is incredible. The Lord took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took a cup, uh, the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread, drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Wow. Every time you eat this bread, drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. It's what he did. It's what he accomplished. What, what was done at that moment in, in history that changed everything. It was the defeat of the gods, the small g gods. It was the taking of his position of authority. He was crushing the head of Satan. All of those things are happening in this moment. And he's going, this announces it. We're not done yet because he hasn't come back yet. But until I come, y'all do this. And remember what I've done. There you go. The Lord told them. The resurrected Jesus told them. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to remember him. And what he has done. If you would, please open the end with the unleavened bread. That is the bread that he took that night as they celebrated the Passover meal. And they're celebrating what God had done before in the covenant with Israel and the life that they were going to have when they left Egypt and entered into the promised land. And he is promising us more as well. So take and eat. Lord, we are blessed. We are blessed to know you and to enjoy the life that you made possible because you were willing to come to live and to die on our behalf. Your body was broken for us and we thank you. Amen. On the other end you find the fruit of the vine representing the blood of Christ. The blood that had the life in it, the life given so that we might live. And we get to enjoy that. Take and drink. Thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice made on our behalf. For the sins paid by your blood. And the hope that we have in you. Thank you for the defeat of the enemy. And the future in which, Lord, we will... We will be with you and you will be glorified and, wow, the land of promise. And we look forward to all that. In Jesus' name.
Amen.
Wow, we get to wrap up manifestations of the Messiah that he has come and he has shown himself and he's done that over and over again. Expectation, that's what we're going to call this one. Expectation. So I'm glad you stuck with me through these and uh, hopefully this has been enlightening and helpful and you will encounter him in ways that you haven't before. That would be just really cool. So Jesus is coming. And this is from Matthew 24, uh, verse 44. You also must be ready at all, all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Jesus in Matthew 24 is explaining some events that are going to unfold. He is in his final days on earth. This is before the crucifixion, just shortly. And he is... They've been in Jerusalem, they've seen, they walked past the temple, and he is explaining to the disciples some things that, to look for that will soon come. And in Matthew 24, that is uh, helpful to, to look and look, okay, this is, he's coming back, and here's the future, and we're getting an idea of, of what's out there, what's going to uh, come our direction. He's talking about the, the arrival of the Son of Man. When he does that, he's, he's referring back to some things that were in Daniel, also Ezekiel, but he, he's referring back to scenes where God the Father is on the throne. He is, uh, there's glory, there's power, there's, there's angelic beings. The whole thing is, is unfolding in this heavenly format. And the Son of Man appears, and he is this incredible uh, being. He is a, a he's, he's God, and he is in this position uh, of power, and so we're referencing that, and when Jesus says that, and, you know, he gets in trouble for saying things like that to, like, the priests and the Pharisees and the leadership, and he says, you're going to see the Son of Man coming, and they're going, what? Yeah, he's going to come on the clouds of power. And they're going, ah, we're going to have to kill you. Because that carried such power. I mean, it's, such, it's, it's so loaded with meaning. So this is Jesus saying this to, to them. And you're going to see, you know, he's coming. So the Son of Man will come when least expected. He is laying out some, some information. Matthew 24 is a twofer. So we get another twofer. You get... Information he gives in Matthew 24, and 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 we're talking 33 A.D. So we're we're talking, you know, a few years before 70 A.D. But in 70 A.D., the Romans in, uh, just destroy the city in Jerusalem, and they destroy the temple. And he's telling them that that's coming, and that the, that this generation will see this. So a generation to them was about 40 years, so we got that within a 40-year period. And lo and behold, Jerusalem is destroyed. The temple comes down, still down, still still destroyed. We've got the Western Wall. That's where people go to, you know, the Jewish people still uh, go there to pray, and it's still an important part of the city. Since 70 A.D., Jesus said when that invasion happens, when this thing starts coming, coming at you, you need to run. You need to take off. You need to leave the city and, and go find safety. 
So he's telling that to people who would listen to him. Other people are not listening to Jesus, which still happens. Those who did during that invasion, during that time, when the Romans show up, they're going, this is what Jesus was talking about. Let's get out of here. So a bunch of people did. And if you're pregnant, you know, take off. And So when a lot of people read prophecy books today, they go, well, see, that, that, it's, coming, it's coming on us right now. Well, kind of. Other parts of that are going to be part of his return at the end when the Son of Man shows up. The Son of Man shows up with all his power, with all he's he's coming that way. He didn't show up on the clouds of power. He didn't ride in on the clouds of power when Rome invaded Jerusalem. Jerusalem fell, the temple fell, just like you said. But he didn't do that. Well, then he doesn't know what's really happening. Uh, maybe we don't know what's really happening. He's trying to give us some information about his appearing, how he shows up, how he comes into people's lives, how he, how he connects. He's coming. He will come in the end. And he will come when least expected. So when is the least expected time for you? Like, it just when you're, when you're paying attention, you just, you know, it's, I don't know, sing a bunch of songs about Jesus' return or you just finish the book of Revelation or just when you're doing your thing. Just involved, engaged, busy, busy. So least expected. I think, well, why do you give us all this stuff if it's the least expected thing? Oh, there's more to this. You knew that was coming. Son of Man's coming, and he will, he will show up, and there won't be any missing it, and every knee will bow and every tongue confess. That will come. When he showed up in Matthew, or in Rome, or when Rome invaded in Matthew 24, he's helping people out. He's speaking to people. He's, he's already met with Paul. By the time Jerusalem is destroyed, Paul and Peter are both gone. They've been martyred. John is still alive. He's pastor over in Ephesus. He lives another 30 years. So you just got, you just got a number of things that are unfolding at that time. Does Jesus come and meet with them? Yeah. We even find him on the island of Patmos talking to John in the book of Revelation. He's meeting with his people. He's showing up. He's met with Peter. He's met with, with Paul. He's met with others. As, we have that in the book of Acts. We just... A number of things have already unfolded. I want to take you to another story from Matthew 24 about being faithful. This is in, uh, still Jesus is is explaining things to his guys. And uh, this one you're familiar with. I just want to take a little time and read back through this. Matthew 24, 45 to 51 A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. What if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and begins beating the other servants, partying, and getting drunk? 
The master will return unannounced and unexpected. And he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whoa. That, see that least expected thing? Son of man will come when least expected. We're busy, we got our thing, we got, you know, jobs, projects. Got to control the family, got to fix the garden, got to, whatever it is, it's just, occupying our time and minds. And uh, the Lord shows up. It's interesting you give them some kind of a story like that. Because obviously, these people have been dead for 2,000 years. It had nothing to do with their lives. What good would it have done them to get information like that if he's really not coming back? Why pay attention why be faithful? Why be told you can show up when least expected? Because he shows up when least expected. He's looking for his people to be faithful in all that they do. Let me tell you about the, the uh, unfaithful servant. He is uh, saying to himself, well, won't be back for a while. He, he just goes about doing his own thing beating other servants, partying, getting drunk. Master returns unexpectedly. He winds up in this place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. The weeping, you understand those words. What I want to do is paint a picture, different frame of reference for that. Have you ever been the one or caught someone, maybe a child, and... They had their hand in the cookie jar, they did something wrong, whatever it was, or you did. Now you're caught. So you're weeping. But the weeping is because you got caught, probably going to lose privileges, maybe get a spanking. But those tears, that weeping, has nothing to do about changing a heart or saying, I was wrong. I did that wrong. I am... uh, going to rethink my whole life paradigm. I'm sure that comes to a five-year-old mind. It's just, I got to do this differently. No, I'm weeping because I got caught. Dang it. When does the Lord show up? Unexpectedly. When do we catch the kid with his hand in the cookie jar? Unexpectedly. The Lord catches us. Unexpectedly. And then there's weeping because we sinned against the Lord, because we betrayed his trust, because we stuck a knife in his back, because now because we got caught. You know that one? That's one part. So we got weeping. We're sad about getting caught. Gnashing of teeth. Oh, it must be so painful. There's gnashing of teeth. You know what gnashing of teeth has to do with? That's what you do when you're so angry that you're lashing out at another person. You are so angry about a situation. You are gnashing your teeth. You are growling. You are taking it. How can you, how could you ever, this is so unfair. How could you do something like that to me? Who are you? Who do you think you are? 
to treat me in any such manner. Gnashing teeth. Weeping and gnashing teeth. And there's a whole group of people gathered in this place who do the same thing. That's where you get to hang out. Master will return unannounced, unexpected. Servant gets cut to pieces, which means he really gets, you know, Okay, going to wake him up. Assign him a place with the hypocrites, those pretending one thing and doing another. And here you go, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, He's putting, putting this person with like individuals who are similarly... Acting, and that's where their hearts are. That's their response to to the Lord and to the things He's doing. Why would He include this as an end time truth, passing this on to His uh, to His people? And and this is the twelve. And, and 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 just picture a bigger group. There's a bigger group in the upper room later. Remember, 120 of them are gathered together when the Holy Spirit shows up. So imagine that, because this this is Mary, Mom, Mary, Mary. There's like Mary, 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 and Phyllis. Anyway, there's just a bunch of of people, and they're following the Lord, and so that He's giving this information about these end time things and he gives something like this. You go, how does that help me? Because I, I need to know. So is the mark of the beast, that's what I, you know, is that the credit card or the thing they're going to imprint? What, what I need to, I, and, and you go, you know, that's not really what the Lord's talking about. But he's talking about faithfulness and he is talking about actually listening to him and that he actually will show up. It makes a difference. He shows up. Unexpectedly, he is observing. He knows where his people are. He knows whether we listen or whether we don't. He is uh, aware of the things that we really take to heart and the things we are just pretending, like hypocrites. He knows if we are really doing the thing we're supposed to be doing, treating people properly, And he's leaving us in charge of that. He's going to trust us enough. He believes in us enough to trust us with that responsibility to get up every day, to do the jobs we're supposed to do, to take care of the responsibilities we have, to take care of the house, take care of the car, take care of the bills, take care of whatever it is, take care of the people around us in such a way that all of that at any time unexpectedly is ready for him to come and see it. Anytime. That's what he's telling them. Be faithful all the time. Trust me. Do it this way. Your anger, your outburst, your partying, your, hey, look at me, how, whatever's comfortable for me, how I like it. My master won't be back for a while. All that has to do is sink into your mind a little bit. The enemy loves that. Our bodies will tell us that too. He's not coming back. He hasn't, he hasn't, I haven't seen the resurrected Jesus, so obviously he's not coming back. 
yeah, we set that aside. He won't be here. He's not going to see. He doesn't know what I'm thinking. He doesn't know what I just said. He doesn't know the way I said it. He doesn't know that I ripped that person's heart out. He doesn't know that I stole that from them. He doesn't know that. And all those things come to mind because he won't be back for a while. And he's saying, that's not true at all. I can come anytime I want to. You realize I am God of the universe. I created all things. I can be anywhere I want, anytime I want. A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants, other people, family members, friends, co-workers, and feeding them, taking care of them, nurturing them, helping them grow, people in the church. And if the servant is found to be doing a good job, there's a reward. There's a reward for that. And that goes into that storage locker in heaven, and he keeps it, and he keeps our name. And remember, he has angels running around. They're taking notes. They put our names, and he has that recorded in the book. And so there's a lively exchange between heaven and earth in between what he is doing and what he's doing with his people. And he's telling them, I'm keeping an eye on everybody, on my group. He hasn't died yet. I mean, this is before any of that happens. He's just saying, don't count me out. I'll be back. And should have really spoken to the ones who were still alive after Rome came and invaded and destroyed Jerusalem. You go, man, he got that one right. I bet he got the other parts right too. So maybe we should listen. Maybe there's something in this that we should be aware of. He just keeps coming. We don't want to be in a situation where we wind up with a whole bunch of other people weeping and gnashing teeth. Because one of the favorites, as you well know, are you know, people getting together and complaining and whining. And they like to have some central... You know, it's the government, it's this party in the government or the other party in the government. It just depends on which one you like. And we're going to weep and gnash, gnash teeth at the other, whichever one we don't like. And, and then if we get caught being on the wrong side of it, oh, and the Lord has something better. He has something that says, if you are faithful, I have a reward for you. And it goes well for everybody. So, he comes to visit. So let's talk about that. When Jesus visits Mary Magdalene, he is on the cross dying. She's observing. There's a bunch of Marys. Mary Magdalene's one observing and then wanting to take care of him after he's taken down from the cross. They had to do so quickly because they have to do so before sunset. So it's, And he dies at three. So, you know, it's not a lot of time. So... She comes back early Sunday morning, and and the women, and then she is part of the, this group. Well, she knows the Lord, and she goes into the tomb, and he's not there. She's a little freaked out. She runs into him because his eyes are filled with tears. Actually runs into him in the garden and thinks he's the gardener and asks him, you know, you know the story, Where'd you put him? Or where did they put him? Where is he? 
And then he, he, he just, Mary, <laughs> it's you. So she realizes, here he is. He goes, now go tell the guys. And um, so she goes and passes that word on. Of course, they don't believe her. But he talks to her. So just you know, put the, just the frame of reference, too. He speaks to Mary to females first which in the genre of the day, this would just, this tells you that the scriptures are reliable. They would have erased that. This part of the story would not be included. It is included because <laughs> he wasn't going by what they were saying. He's going by, this is what, this is what matters. This is what, and it's everybody. And so he starts with Mary, but he visits her. So he, he's, he's speaking to her. He's resurrected. And he's, he's connected, he knows her name, she knows him, all of that's going on. The two guys, it's the same day, a little bit uh, later in the day. So the two guys are walking to Emmaus, outside of town, and they're just talking about this whole thing with Jesus. Jesus is just off the side of the road as they go by, and so he joins them and hears them talking and, and joins in the conversation. They interact about what has occurred, and he asks them, and they go, how can you be the only person who doesn't know? He happens to be the only person who just died and rose from the dead, but they don't know that yet. And they are just trying to put this thing together as they're talking about the events that had happened in the last week and the resurrection story, because they haven't seen him yet, they didn't think. And they are getting schooled because then Jesus takes them through the scriptures in this Luke 24. He could, he begins to tell them about the, what's happening in all of the scriptures from Genesis all the way through the, the, the Hebrew scriptures that existed at that time. And he's letting them know that he's spoken of all the way through and it points to him and that those prophecies are fulfilled and that he's the one who was to come and that he was to, to die and die for sins, and resurrect, and then all the rest of it. Son of Man coming, all, all those aspects. He gives them that, that bit of information. But they're interacting with him, or walking with him. The resurrected Jesus is, is making footprints on the path. And then they get to the local cafe and they sit down to eat and he breaks bread and gives thanks. And when he does that, they go, Oh wait, we've seen this before. That's him. That's him. That's Jesus. And then he disappears in front of them. So here he is actually handling stuff. There are people who just say, well, it was imaginary or he's ghost-like, not really solid, all those kind of things. All of this indicates, no, he's really solid. He can show up and he can disappear when he wants. So he appears he disappears. He visits with Mary, who knew him once she heard her name and could see him through her tears. That was him. Uh, he goes to visit Peter and the rest of the guys. He gets visit James. He sees 500 at some point. There's the Thomas and the team. He uh, Thomas didn't see him on this Sunday. The next Sunday, he he happened to come in, and Jesus is there with the, the rest of the group. And Thomas is like, I don't know. And Jesus is saying, so you didn't believe them. And so, you know, that's, that's a bit tough. And he goes, just go ahead and touch me. And you said that's what it would take. So you touch. And 
his response to that is, my Lord and my God. You're, you're the, you really are. That, that, he was there, flesh and blood. He could feel it. All, all the things that the resurrected being. But he shows up. He knows what Thomas has said. He knows what Thomas's attitude has been. He knows what the other people have done. He's aware of all of those things. I want you to think through that because all of these events, when he shows up and he's talking to these different people, he knows more about what's going on and who they're going to see and who they've just seen and what they've done the last week. All of those things are part of it. So a faithful, sensible servant is one who is given responsibility managing household. If the master returns and finds that that servant has done a good job, there will be a reward how could Jesus do that? Is like Jesus going to just show up unexpectedly? Yeah, absolutely. He's keeping an eye on his people. He's keeping an eye on us. He wants us to be faithful people and to be reliable, that he can look to us and give us charge of things that are important, which is uh, the jobs we have, but the people around us, whatever our circle is, that's it. How are we doing with that? Get a reward, or if we've been unfaithful, go out. Well, he won't be back for a while. He doesn't really watch me. He's not going to show up. He shows up. He showed up for these guys. They didn't expect him. Thomas definitely didn't expect him. And there he is. Uh, Jesus visits, then ascends to heaven. So for 40 days, he's running around after the resurrection. 40 days, and then he ascends to heaven. So he's with them with different groups, different individuals, shows up with different people at different times, 500 at one time, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, and he is now ascending to heaven. So he flies up into the air and leaves, and they watch him do that. And that wasn't the end, because he keeps coming back, and he keeps visiting, and he stops by to encourage, he stops by to engage. He is, uh, he's just not done. He's looking for faithful people, realize he may show up unexpectedly and are faithful to follow through on the things he's given us to do. Prepared for Jesus' visit. Jesus is central and is to be glorified. So if he shows up and some fashion materializes, manifests, speaks, maybe just a word, Maybe a little instruction of some some sort, and, and it may be it may be more dramatic than that. But he he's to be central, and he is the one who gets to be honored. If you've heard testimonies of of encounters, uh, angel encounters, or Jesus encounters, and the people are telling a story about how wonderful they are. And how Jesus glorified them, you might suspect that that may be self-induced. You might want to think that, which is probably good, because he's not going to give his glory to anyone. Doesn't mean he's not going to come and participate to help people or to save people, or because he's doing that across the Middle East. That's not it. But it's to bring them closer to himself, not to make them. Uh, just invest in this stock and you'll be wealthy from here on out or it's you really do need to wonder about those Jesus is central and to be glorified 
Listen to him, accept what he has to say, and if he asks you to do something, the answer is yes. Do it. And if you've already settled on that answer, it's a whole lot easier. He comes up and he speaks, speaks to this to you through the scripture, speaks to you through other people, speaks to you because, you know, there's lots of different ways he speaks. Or if he comes and just arrives at your doorstep and uh, the answer is yes. This is Paul remembering that Jesus taught Paul back in Galatians. I want you to understand that the gospel message I preached is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. That's a hard one for a lot of people to accept. Direct revelation from Jesus Christ, that the resurrected Jesus, after ascending to heaven, would come back, spend time with somebody, and actually give them information. And yet the majority of the New Testament is from this. Wow. Because Jesus came back and said, you're going to be the guy I want to write this down. And so he came and taught him. And he received it by direct revelation. Doesn't always come that way, but in his case, that's how, how this worked. He can show up. We're supposed to be sensible, faithful, responsible, doing what he's called us to do, carrying out the responsibilities he's given us to do. And then when he shows up unexpectedly, there's a reward. Or we can say he won't be back for a while, or he's not really watching, or he doesn't really do this anymore. And we miss it. But he still comes. So Jesus appears in times of crisis, crossroads, and kingdom. Jesus appears in times of crisis, crossroads, and kingdom. He is uh, wanting to work in our lives. And there are times when we just don't know what to do. Or we're, we're feeling under it. We're under threat. It's, uh, it, it, it could be life-threatening things. People talk about this in the ER. I mean, that's, they're just crisis moments. And the Lord shows up. And he sends angels. And hey, there's just all a number of things that are happening. But Jesus appears in times of crisis. Also, crossroads are trying to decide, do I go this way or that way? Lord, what do you want me to do? What's, what's next? What, where where can I best serve you? How can I do this? And he'll, he'll show up to help give direction. And kingdom, he's looking out for the kingdom of God. That's, that's the reason he came in the first place. When he arrived, the kingdom is here. It's entered into the world. He is bringing God's kingdom to earth, and he wants to see that celebrated and expanded and more people in it because that's where the family of God is. And he's trying to multiply that and work with people to help get more of that. That's why he's in the Middle East gathering people from over there who will listen. And he shows up, he manifests, talks to them. You need to go see Billy Bob, Abdul, down at the corner. And he happens to have a Bible and, you know, go see him down at the coffee shop and, and read about me. And 
I was okay. Well, this shiny guy showed up, told me I needed to read that, so they read it. And he goes, oh, that was him. He came to see me. Kingdom. He's just showing up. Times of crisis, crossroads, and kingdom. He's busy doing that. Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock. Stand at the door and knock. He's waiting for us to answer. Now, he may have come already. He may have knocked. His voice may have been there. Because we are told in Revelation 3.20 and in each of these churches, all seven in the first in chapters 2 and 3, that he is reaching out. He's communicating. He has something to say. He's looking for a change. He's looking for people to respond. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him listen to the Spirit who's speaking to the churches. Listen. He's communicating. He has something that he wants to say. And this is for, for his people, people that live on this planet, his people. He says, I stand at the door knocking. Anybody hears me, let him come open the door. Sit down with me. Let's talk. We can do it. But if we don't hear it, if we're not listening, because we don't expect him to show up. Because, you know, we don't know if he's going to come back. He hasn't come for 2,000 years. He's probably not coming back. I hope through this series you realize he has been coming back all the time. He has not abandoned us he will not abandon us he will never forsake us Hebrews 13 tells us he will never so he's looking out for us and he's coming to check on us and he's trying to look for those people he's looking for people who are faithful following through and he wants to bring rewards he would prefer that over turning us loose with a whole bunch of other people who are weeping and wailing and gnashing teeth because they're just angry at God who could treat who they think is just evil. He just has something else he wants to bring into our lives. He's available. He wants to come alongside. It's not about our kingdom. It's about his. And if we are into building our own kingdom and our stuff our way, we're on our own. But if we want to enjoy the Son of Man, the Son of God, the one who loved us from eternity past, who wants to take us into eternity future, he's available. He's knocking at the door. And he says to answer. When you hear him knocking, answer. And he has something more for us. It is incredible. So expectation. Expecting him to show at any time. Manifestations of the Messiah. Father, thank you for your son and the hope that we have in him of life now and life forever. Thank you for the things that uh, reveal you in so many ways in this life. Uh, Lord, it's just just such a delight to think that you would come and check on us and, and that you would be standing at the door really wanting us to let you in. Come on. Who, who are we to keep you out? 
This is such an incredible thing that you would do with us at all. And that you would come and sit down and hang out and share life. What a God we have. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the hope in Jesus. Thank you that you still and always have manifested and that we will get to see more of you. And on that great day, when those clouds part, we will see you riding on the clouds of heaven in great power and glory. And it is our privilege to say, thank you, Jesus. Amen.
Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. Amen.